0: Great. Listen, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 57. That's where we're going to be focusing this morning. This is a part of our Sunday gathering where we get together and look at the Bible. I want to just talk to you about five steps that are required for you to move out of where you are into where God wants you to be. Just five steps. Every person in this room, there is something more for you than where you are right now. It's called a holy discontent. It's something in you where you are really grateful that God has blessed you and God is for you. So Psalm 57, I'm going to look at five steps to getting to where God wants you to be and whoever God has called you to be, whether you're here with a little faith, a lot of faith or no faith at all, I want to promise you God is a good God. You've got to have a bit of a holy discontent in you where you're grateful for what God has given you and done for you but also slightly discontent, a holy discontent, where you're saying, God, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. I, I'm not willing to settle for where I am right now because if I compare my life to the promises of God you've given me, my life at the moment does not match up with the reality of everything you've spoken to me. Some of you may be aware that your life currently looks different to the promises of God in your life. If that's you, I'm going to encourage you not to just be very apathetic about it and say, oh, that's the way it is, but actually I wonder why your life and its manifestation just seems to be a mismatch from the promises of God in your life. And sometimes that makes us difficult to profess our faith to other people because other people look at our lives and go, well, you claim your God is a good God. You claim your God is able, you claim your God is faithful, you claim your God is healer, you claim your God is powerful, but look at your life. Why is it that your life is not a reflection of who you say your God is? And so sometimes your life has a mismatch from what your promises that you hold on dear to. But I want to believe that in this season we've got to pursue... And press into every promise God has for us. And so there's got to be some sort of a holy discontent in us to say, I'm not settling for where I am now. I'm going to go after everything God's got for me. Okay? So that's what I'm going to look at. Five steps. And if you are here and if you're one of those people who love shortcuts, I, I have bad news for you. And the bad news is this. You cannot bypass these five steps. There is no way you can get to where God is calling you to be if you are hoping that there is some way to get there without these five steps. So these five steps are very crucial for you, and if you love cutting corners and having shortcuts and hoping that it will somehow you will get there without these five steps, the bad news is these five steps cannot be avoided. They have to be embraced and applied in your life. So Psalm 57, I'm going to start reading from verse 1. Before I read verse 1, just to give you a bit of a context on this story, is this song or this psalm is written by a guy called David. David is in a place where there is a promise on his life. A prophet called Samuel came up to him and said, you're the next king of the country. So that's his promise. He pours a bit of oil on his head. He's anointed for the role. But he finds himself currently in a cave, hiding because the king wants him dead and the king and the entire army out to kill him. And he's currently in a place where his current reality looks nothing like the promise of God. Anyone relate? Your current reality, where you are right now, looks nothing like the promise of God. Your current reality looks nothing like what you thought God was going to be Uh, for you. Imagine your age right now and imagine how old you were 10 years ago currently. Imagine how old you are right now and imagine how old you were 10 years ago. And I promise you, several of you would be thinking, man, by the year 2019, you thought this in 2009, by the year 2019, A, B, C, D, and E would be different. But things are not different. Things are still the same. And you're currently still wondering why your current reality does not reflect the promises of God. David is in a place like that. He doesn't have a mom with him, a dad with him, a pastor with him. He's all by himself in a cave... And the king and his entire army is outside the cave waiting to kill him. And then he's there just by himself with this mismatch. And he starts to write this song. And he starts by saying, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. So he's he's crying for some sort of fulfillment of the purposes of God in his life because at the moment all it is is a cave it doesn't look like the purpose of God he will send from heaven and save me he will put to shame those who tremble on me God will send out a steadfast love in his faithfulness and verse 4 describes a bit of the emotional and mental turmoil he's going through and this is what it says in verse 4 my soul is in the midst of lions I lie down among fiery beasts I lie down among the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. If you notice, everything in that verse, in verse 4, is mentioned in the plural and not in the singular. So he looks to the front and all he can see is lions growling at him. He looks to the right and he sees arrows flying at him. He looks to the left and javelins are flying at him. He looks to the back and people are gossiping about him. He's not literally talking about lions and beasts. He's all by himself in a cave. But he's describing his mental pressure. The anguish he goes through where you look to the left and it's trouble. Look to the right and it's trouble. Look to the front and it's trouble. Look behind you, it's trouble. Have you ever had one of those weeks where you say, God, one more thing. And I'm going to crack because I can't do this anymore. He's all by himself. And it's just, it is intense. There is pressure from every side because sooner or later, if you will look at your life and you compare it to the promises of God, you and I have reason to get depressed. You and I have reason to get complaining, get murmuring, thinking, God, what on earth is going on? And he looks at this concept, and verse 3, he says this, God will send from heaven and he will save me. He will put to shame who tramples on me. And then watch this, verse 3, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. So here's step one. You need to have a revelation That his love and his faithfulness is enough. Because if that is not enough, nothing will be enough. Because some of you are waiting to say, I'm going to be happy when I get a job. I'm going to be happy when my wife changes. I'm going to be happy when I find a wife. I'm going to be happy when I have children. I'm going to be happy when my children change. Listen, if you cannot be happy now with the steadfast love of God and with the faithfulness of God, you will never be happy. You won't. You're not waiting for your next breakthrough, for your happiness. You've got to be happy in the here and now. Listen, if I was David and I was in a cave and I was going to be killed and I can hear the army outside of me, the one thing I want heaven to send is a bigger army, is a few AK-47s, is a few tanks, is a few bazookas. David looks up and says, God, I want you to save me. And God says, I'm going to save you. And you're like, what are you going to send to save me? He says, I'm going to send you my love and my faithfulness. What? That's not what I want. I want a few men with bigger biceps than the men standing outside. I want a big, I want a big gun. I, I want an army. I want a few tanks. God says, no, you're going to get love and you're going to get faithfulness. That's what you're going to get. That's what's going to save you. The revelation that Jesus loves you and that he is for you. That's what's going to save you. Because if you're not going to be happy with that, nothing in this world is going to make you happy. And I promise you, I wish there was a shortcut to this, but unless you're able to raise a hallelujah in the presence of beasts and children of men and arrows and spears and swords and tongues and say, you know what, the love of God is enough, the faithfulness of God is enough, the world is against me, but God is for me, and I'm going to raise my hallelujah. Unless you learn to do that, there is no shortcut to the process of God. He's going to send you His love And his faithfulness. I remember the times in my life where I didn't even want to talk to God. Because I'll go to him with my problems. And the best he's got for me is, I love you. I'm like, no, I know that. I've heard that a million times. It's not what I'm asking for. I'm in trouble. There's an army that wants to kill me. Can you send me a a, a bigger army, please? Can you send me a few guns, please? Can you send me a tank, please? And he's like, I'm faithful, you got to trust me. I'm like, God, I'm I'm done talking to you. Every time I come to you, that's all you got to say. That's all you've got to say. Can I just say to some of you who, side note, who are longing for the voice of God, say, I really love hearing God, but I can't hear God. Can I say, whenever he comes along and he says simple words like, I'm faithful and my love is for you to value that because if you won't value that, you won't hear anything else because that is the highest commandment that God can release from heaven. If you have heard the words of God and the word of God to you is, I love you and I am going to be faithful. And if you cannot value and treasure and sing on that, you're not going to hear anymore. And can you imagine what it's like for David in a time where he lived, where he did not know Jesus. We currently know Jesus where we know love now in a way that David did not know or could not know, We now know love because God now does not have to send love and faithfulness. God has already sent his love, and God has already sent his faithfulness. And love and faithfulness has a name. His name is Jesus, and Jesus lives on the inside of you. Love is on the inside of you, and faithfulness is on the inside of you. So step one to getting out of your cave into being a king in your life is living with the revelation that love is the greatest gift, and it's all you need. God being faithful to you is all you need. Number two. He says in verse five, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Number two. You've got to learn to worship, sing, raise a hallelujah, sing a little louder right in the middle of the cave. There's no shortcut to it. There's no shortcut to it. When we come together like this and we sing a few songs before we go into the Word of God on a Sunday morning, the reason we sing is not because we like music. The reason we sing is not because we're trying to get God into a good mood. He's already in a good mood. The reason we sing is because it's for you. It's for you to express your faith because without raising a hallelujah in the middle of your cave, looking at the lion in front of you and the spear on the left of you and the arrows on the right of you, and the teeth behind you unless you're able to sing and make a melody where there is no music right in the middle of it you will not be able to get out of the cave to go where you're going to and that's why everybody who says I'm going to sing when I feel like it I'm going to lift my hands when I feel like it I'm going to praise when I feel like it I'm going to raise the hallelujah when I feel like it you're going to be feeling the rest of your life in your cave 10 years from now 2029 you'll still be in your cave but you've got to break out of that and say it's not about your feeling, it's about confessing who God is and you've got to raise a hallelujah and make a melody right in the middle of the cave and you've got to sing louder than the growl of the lion, louder than the shears and the spears that are coming at you, louder than the people that talk against you. You've got to learn how to do it. There's no shortcut to it. So, when we come together and we have a time of worship it 's the time for breakthrough. This is not just the time where God is saying, "Oh, listen, one day at the end of the sermon, when there is the time for response, and you put your hand up and we pray that 's when your breakthrough happens. Hey, listen, breakthrough can happen in song number one. Breakthrough can happen halfway through song number two. Breakthrough can happen between song number two and song number three. If you will learn to realize that the process God has for you to get you out of your cave is giving you an opportunity to sing and praise and sing louder than the enemy we sang it a few minutes earlier we're going to sing louder sing a little louder sing a little louder sing a little louder sing a little louder louder. and you start singing and then you can hear the growl of the beasts what do you do well you sing a little louder and then you hear the voice of unbelief so what do you do will you sing a little louder And then you hear, oh man, look at all. You've been in the cave for 10 years. What are you singing about? Nothing's going to change. Well, you sing a little louder. And so here he is in the middle of beasts and arrows and spears and tongues and swords. And right in the middle of that, he says, I will sing and I will make melody. Verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I wonder whether you've learned and embraced the process Of lifting your hands when you don't feel like it. Raising a shout when you don't feel like it. Lifting a hallelujah when you don't feel like it. And when you raise a hallelujah, there are a hundred other voices that drown out your hallelujah. So you got to make a stance and say, I'm going to sing a little louder. I'm going to shout a little louder. I'm going to make sure that my praise gets louder and louder until the only voice and the only volume in the room will be the volume of my praise that drowns out every other voice. Because if you're waiting for the, every voice in your life, every noise in your life to mute first so you can raise a praise, you'll be waiting for a long time. The Bible says our enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion, not a quiet lion, a roaring lion. He's not a contemplative line. He's a roaring line. He's not a thinking line. He's a roaring line. So if you ever think there's going to be a day in my life where the roar of unbelief, where the roar of doubt, where the roar of neglect, where the roar of rejection, where the roar of guilt is going to stop in my head, it's not going to stop. But one thing you can decide to do is make sure that your hallelujah, your praise, your song, your melody is louder than the roar of the enemy. There's no shortcut to it. There's no shortcut to it. And I promise you, especially in Britain, more than any other nation that I have been to, just to speak the gospel and share from the Bible, this is a big problem. Because people embrace Christianity, come to Jesus, and come to the faith and believe in Jesus Christ, but most of them are in caves unfortunately there is no shortcut to the process to get them out of the cave than by teaching them to sing a little louder, to shout a little louder, to praise above the voice of the bears and the lions and the spears and the shackles that are in you. And sometimes we try and make it comfortable for them and say, listen, you don't have to do that. God is good. Listen, God is good, but God is always honoring of his process. And his process is this. It's your praise that is the precursor to your breakthrough. That's his process. And so discipleship or letting, uh, helping somebody become more and more like Jesus is not by telling them that you can shortcut the process of God because God is going to come through anyway. That's not how this works. We walk by faith and not by sight. And faith means saying yes to the process of God. And so we have loads of people who love church And statistically speaking, in Britain, the greatest number of people who come to church are during Christmas times. Statistics. Statistically speaking, the least number of conversions are during Christmas times. Statistically speaking. Most people come to church in Britain during Christmas time, And that's the time where least number of people give their lives to Jesus. Why? Because we think a service will save them. We think entering them into a building will save them. We think creating an atmosphere will save them. No. The thing that saves them is the gift of faith. And without the gift of faith, there is no salvation. You've got to believe in God, and so we've got to embrace people into an atmosphere where you say, Hey, listen, I know you're in a cave, but God is good, His love and His faithfulness is enough. Sometimes you've just got to stare at your debt and stare at your divorce and stare at the agony that's in your life, and you've got to learn how to raise the hallelujah. Not because you're gonna to try to get God into a good mood, but we believe in your breakthrough, and we want you to come out of this cave and into the palace. So, why don't you learn how to sing? and make a melody question if david under the old covenant under the old set of rules where he knew that god loved him because he had to kill a goat and a bull learned how to sing how much louder should our singing be our hallelujah be, our shouting be, because we didn't come here today with goats and pigeons in our pockets. We came here with nothing because the blood of Jesus once and for all was shed for you and I, and because of that reason, we can come boldly, and if there is anybody that should be singing louder and raising a hallelujah and shouting louder, it should be us. Listen, you don't need to do this to go to heaven, by the way. Jesus still loves you, but you need to do this if you want to move. You need to do this if something in your life has got to shift. You need to do this if you've got to come out of the cave. You need to do this if you are sick and tired of being the same person year after year. You've got to learn how to raise your hallelujah louder than every other voice in your life. That's step number two. Step number three, verse eight. And I'm going to stop on verse eight because verse eight has steps three, four, and five. David says, Awake my glory, or in some of your versions, awake my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. Awake my glory, or awake my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. Step number one is what? Revelation, the revelation that love is enough, his faithfulness is enough. What's step number two, raise a hallelujah, praise him, worship him, make a melody. When there is no music, when there is no song, when you're all by yourself, Monday is a good day to praise him. Tuesday is a good day to praise him. Wednesday night, when you can't get sleep, is a good time to wake up and raise a hallelujah louder than every other voice that is screaming in your head. you got to do that. That's step number two. Step number three, got to get three things to wake up. Three things have to wake up in your life. Three things have to wake up in your life. I wish you could go to step three by bypassing step one and step two. You can't. I wish you could go straight to step three, bypassing step one and step two. You can't. There are no corners you can cut on this. You will have to have a revelation that Jesus loves you. He is for you. You are forgiven. You don't have to live in guilt. He is faithful to you. And in the presence of all of your enemies, you've got to learn how to raise a hallelujah. Shout a praise in the middle. Make a melody right there. But some of you, when I say this, will relate to me. Because some of you have learned in the middle of all of your enemies to raise your praise so loud... That all of a sudden, some sort of boldness comes over you. Some sort of confidence comes over you. Some sort of release comes over you. Some sort of peace comes over you. Some sort of thing of, hey, listen, I'm, I'm right in the middle of the cave. But all of a sudden, I feel like it's no longer, I don't have to pray anymore. I'm going to start commanding a few things. And I'm going to start speaking to a few things. And the first thing David speaks to is his own soul or his own glory. He says, wake up. What's he trying to wake up? Himself. Awake my soul. The Hebrew word there is the word kabod, which can also be translated glory. Awake my glory. I was listening just yesterday to Pastor Peter's sermon from last week. And he said, joy is when man is fully alive. That's what we're talking about. Because you see, you can be living in a cave half dead Half alive, existing, just waking up, turning up, going to work, and hoping that the weeks and months will just come by and something will change. No, no, no. God's desire for you is not to be half alive. It's for you to be fully alive. It's to be fully alive. And some of you have been in a cave long enough... You're breathing, your lungs are functioning, your brain is functioning, your body is functioning, but your soul is half dead. Your glory is half functioning. And step number three is the one person you have to prophesy to the rest of your life is to prophesy to the person you see in the mirror and say, wake up. Awake, my glory. Come on, pull yourself up. Wherever you are at the moment is not going to be permanent. This is only temporary. Awake, my soul. Awake, my glory. And what's David doing? David realizes that the moment he gets into worship and starts raising a hallelujah, you then have a prophetic power that comes on you that makes you start to prophesy to your own life. Can I just say this? The most powerful prophetic voice you will have in your life is yourself. Let me say that again. The most powerful prophetic voice you will have in your life is yourself. The most prophetic voice, the most powerful voice you will have in your life is yourself. You've got to tell your soul to wake up. You've got to tell your glory to wake up. You know what your glory is? Your glory is everything God designed you to be. Your glory is the fulfillment of all of the promises of God. Your glory is the fulfillment of all of the goodness God has for you. And for many of us today in this room, your glory has fallen asleep. Your soul has fallen asleep. And today is a good day to wake up. Wake up my glory wake up awake my glory awake my soul awake so after he has this worship session where he's praising and he sings louder than the bears louder than the lions louder than the spears louder than the javelins and he praises 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 all of a sudden he stops his praise and starts prophesying to what to soul To the king that's outside, Father, in Jesus' name, I command the king to die. No, no, no. He prophesies over himself. Can I just say that God is not waiting for the world around you to change. God's waiting for you to change. He's waiting for you to change. He's waiting for you to change. The day you realize that the reason for the lack of progress in your life is you you've arrived because you cannot wait there blaming everybody. The reason I don't change is because of him. The reason I'm not getting out of the cave is because of the king. The reason I'm not out of the cave yet is because the army wants me dead. No, 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 no. No, you've got to look at the mirror and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to stick around blaming everybody and everything. I've got to prophesy over my own life. I've got to take my destiny into my own hands. Look at the revelation of God. Raise a hallelujah and prophesy to my soul that is currently asleep and say wake up wake up my glory wake up my glory wake up there's no shortcut to it because if you don't wake yourself up no one's coming to wake yourself up if you don't wake you up no one can do that for you wake up wake up I wonder if I asked you a question today whether you'd be able to truly answer it in all sincerity and the question is this are you fully alive are you fully alive? Is your glory fully alive? Is your soul fully alive? I'm not asking whether you're breathing. I'm not asking whether you're eating, sleeping, going to bed, and waking up. The next That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, is your glory, is your soul, is your inner person fully alive? Because I promise you, some of you know what it's like to be in a cave long enough to know, I'm alive, I'm breathing, but something inside me is sleeping. Something inside me is dead. Something inside me is half awake. Something inside me is so lethargic that if I was honest, I'm just going through the motions, even just coming to church. I'm just turning up and you're hoping that the church is going to be the solution or the pastor is going to be the solution or some prophet is going to come someday. He's going to be the solution. Someday there's going to be a breakthrough. No, no. The solution is on the tip of your tongue. You better learn how to use it. Open your mouth and prophesy over your own life and say, wake up. Look in the mirror every day and say, your glory, your glory has got to fully function today. God has made you into a glorious human being and you're not meant to live and survive at half measure or three quarters of of a measure, but every bit of glory that's in you has got to come fully alive. There's no shortcut to this process. Step number four. He says, awake my harp and my liar. Awake my harp and my liar. Awake my harp and my liar so Not only does your soul or your glory has to wake up but your atmosphere has to wake up your atmosphere has to wake up he has no harp in this cave he has no lyre he has no guitar he has no violin in this cave so what's he talking about what's he actually talking about what is he talking about he says awake O harp and lyre you see right now there is apart from My voice, the atmosphere is relatively silent. But if there's music in the atmosphere, the atmosphere is not silent because somehow the atmosphere is now my voice plus the sound of music. And David says, Not only am I going to tell my soul and my glory to wake up, I'm going to tell my harp. And my liar to wake up. That means when I enter a place, my atmosphere is going to be one, not of blame, but one of thanksgiving. Not one of defeat, but one of hope. Something about my atmosphere, it will be like, oh my days, I just had coffee with this individual for half an hour. Do you know what? It was music to my ears. You know how we say that? There's a saying, say, oh, I heard this person. I said a five-minute phone call, it was music to my ears. Where do you think that statement comes from? Because sometimes a person can enter your life for just five minutes and it can be like music to your ears. Or somebody can enter your life for five minutes and at the end of five minutes, you can be so drained that you don't even know what hit you. Why? Because all they've got to talk about is the size of the bear and the size of the lion and the size of the spear and the size of the sword and what's in front of them, what's behind them, what's over them, what's behind them. Sometimes you just walk into certain people's life and you don't know. You just walk away two inches taller. Why? Something about their atmosphere has touched you and transformed you. I wish there was a shortcut to it, but I promise you there isn't a shortcut to this. And some of you have just got to learn the secret to know you've got to put your stories down of all the lions and the bears and what's not working. And you've got to learn how to raise an atmosphere around you where you say, you know what, I want to walk around in such a way that when I enter a room, my atmosphere will speak for itself. Some of you know what it's like to meet people whose atmospheres will charge you up with faith, fill you with joy. And some of you know what it's like to be with people. And when you're in their atmosphere something in you drains, and something in you is discouraged, and you, all of us starts being fearful. He says, I've got to awaken my harp and my lyre. I wish we had a bass guitar here to show you what I meant. But if we had a bass guitar, I was here, and I played just one string. I just plugged on it, and it produced a certain frequency. We didn't need to have anybody in the drums But sooner or later, these symbols will start to make a noise all by themselves. It's called resonance. Something in here where I'm playing a note here, and all of a sudden we can hear things in there start to make a noise. The symbols start to vibrate because a vibration here is producing a vibration there, and that's how atmosphere works. In fact, once upon a time, there was a prophet called Elijah, And he said to a king one day, he said, I can hear the sound of rushing rain. And he was talking about a country that hadn't received rain for a long time. Long time. For three and a half years, there was no rain. And he said, I believe rain is going to come. But before you see it with your eyes, I can feel its vibration. I can hear rain. Can I just say everything about the kingdom of God, you hear before you see it. You hear before you see it. And in your atmosphere, there should be something about a harp, a lyre, a music, a worship, something positive, faith-filled. And if you do not cultivate that atmosphere, and when I enter your atmosphere, it's one of depression and loneliness and defeat, you've got to learn how to rise above that. Learn that his faithfulness and his love is more than enough. And your atmosphere has to produce something. I love spending time with such people because you know why? Because when they enter my life, I begin to resonate. They will be playing a a particular note, but something in me will begin to shake. Something in me will begin to change. Something in me will begin to vibrate. Something in me will begin to, to shift. Something in me will begin to go, Oh, I don't know what's happening. But all of a sudden I'm happy. I don't know what's happening. All of a sudden, I'm not fearful anymore. All of a sudden I'm not depressed anymore. I don't know what has changed, but something in me has changed because I have entered the presence of somebody who's resonating with the atmosphere of heaven. I want to show this example. Perhaps, Reshmi, you can come and join me here because Reshmi is pregnant. Can you see it? Perfect example. I'm going to pretend for a minute <clears throat> that I'm Mary. This is my cousin Elizabeth, okay? So I'm Mary, an angel comes to me. The angel says to me, hey, listen, you're going to have a boy. His name is Jesus, wonderful counselor, king of kings, prince of peace, etc., etc. And she's like, how on earth is that going to be? I've never been with a man. Listen, your cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, is now six months pregnant. Go, Go meet her, right? So this is what happened, true story. Elizabeth comes, knocks on the door and says, hello. That's all she says. The Bible says, at her greeting, at Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leapt. How did that happen? Resonance. Resonance. Atmosphere. Mary didn't pray for Elizabeth. Mary didn't share a prophetic word. Mary said, hello. That's what she said. Something in her womb. John the Baptist went, whoo, I felt that. I felt that. I wonder whether, thanks babe, I wonder whether you are going to cause other people's babies to leap. The people in this room pregnant with vision, pregnant with dreams, pregnant with ideas, pregnant with all sorts of solutions. And I wonder whether your resonance is what it takes for somebody else's dream to come alive. But guess what? It's not just going to happen. You've got to command the harp and lyre to wake up. You've got to command the harp and the lyre to wake up. Something in your atmosphere has got to wake up. You've got to, have, you've got to have an atmosphere of worship, of praise, of melody. And lastly, he says, awake my dawn. Shall we recap? Number one, what was it? A revelation of his love and faithfulness. There's no shortcut to it. Number two, praise, making a melody, not when it's convenient, but in the middle of the cave. Number three, awake my glory, prophesy to your own self, awake my soul. Number four, awake, oh harp and lyre, you've got to tell your atmosphere to come alive. No shortcut to it. Number five, awake my dawn. I'll take a few moments just to tell you about my son. I love him. But the one time Reshmi and I get really irritated with him is because our boy was born with the supernatural ability of disliking sleep. Just, just didn't want to sleep. I remember us reading books. Our boy was, you know, eight months old or nine months old. And, and the books would say, at this stage of your baby's development, your child should sleep on average 10 to 15 hours, etc. And this guy could go on six And not tired? No, he's actually fine. In fact, there's a weirdest thing that even before he was born, we're getting some of the people that are in our world to pray over him and release prophetic words. And it was one of the prophetic words we got was about his sleep and his energy. It says he's going to have so much capacity in his life that he's not going to like sleep and he's just going to love energy. That's great. It's a great word to have before we had the baby. Now that we have the baby, we're not too sure anymore because we love our sleep. There's one thing Reshmi and I do love is we love sleeping. And this guy, every single morning, is the first one to wake up, even if he's the last to go to bed. And he can go through the entire—we we just flew in from Qatar day before yesterday. Both of us are severely jet-lagged. Judah goes to sleep, is awake super early, doesn't sleep throughout the day. He's fine. He's not grumpy. He's not complaining. He is just— He's fine. He's just fine. And every morning, he wakes up at ridiculous times when it's still dark. And he goes, Mom, is it morning time yet? Mom will go, no, Judah, it's not. Go back to sleep. After a while, Mom, is it morning time yet? No, it's not. Go back to sleep. And then he goes, let me check. Right. So he gets out of bed goes to the window, parts the curtains to see whether it's dawn or not. And if there was one scientific invention my son would love, is he would love to have a button that he could press where he could decide when dawn appears. Because if he had that, at 3 a.m., he would wake up, press the button, and he'd go, here's dawn. Because it's now in his control When darkness stops and dawn appears. David says, I will tell the dawn to wake up. I will awaken the dawn. In other words, David says, when darkness finishes and dawn appears, is now in my control. It depends on how I speak. When darkness stops and dawn appears, is now in my control... Because it's now in my tongue and how I speak. I will awaken the dawn. Can I just say to you, if you live in the revelation of His love and His faithfulness, if you will learn to raise a hallelujah that's louder than all of your enemies, if you will learn to awaken your glory and awaken your atmosphere, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I just wonder, Whether some things that are meant for you at 6 p.m. will be available to you now at 11 a.m. I I wonder whether certain things that are meant to happen and manifest in your life two months from now can manifest now based on how you speak and how you worship. I I wonder whether delays are the biggest source of your frustration. I wonder whether there's a supernatural acceleration that can happen in your life where you're not waiting for dawn to appear. You're actually commanding dawn and telling dawn when to appear. One of the stories I love in the Bible is a story of a wedding where they ran out of wine. And it's the first miracle that Jesus does on earth. And the Bible says... Jesus revealed His glory. He commanded His glory to wake up. And guess what? Water became wine. In other words, things that needed maybe a year, two years, three years, I don't know, five years of fermentation happened immediately. What happened? Process accelerated. Process accelerated. Water became wine in an instant When glory was manifest. Things that are meant... It doesn't say Jesus made water into grape juice... That would be a great miracle in itself. But Jesus made water into wine, meaning things that needed a year, two years, three years of fermentation. All of a sudden, the process accelerated. Dawn woke up in the middle of the night when it was not supposed to wake up. I wonder what could happen in your life if things began to accelerate and dawn started to happen for you now instead of you waiting for darkness to finish. Well... It's in the power of your tongue. It's in the power of your tongue. I will awaken the dawn. He begins to realize that he doesn't have to be in this cave based on the timing of God. He has to be in the cave as long as he decides he's going to be. Based on how he's going to speak at the cave, based on how he's going to speak to his darkness, based on how he is going to prophesy over his own life, based on how he's going to prophesy over his own atmosphere, based on how he is going to prophesy over his own darkness. I wonder if there's people today having the faith in your life to go, "I'm going to awaken the dawn." Everything in me says, with're three hours into darkness, there's another five hours. But what if dawn can wake up just now? What if everything about dawn can wake up just now? Just now. Guess what happened? David comes out of the cave. Saul and his entire army are killed. David becomes king and begins to rule and reign in a country called Israel. Nobody came to get him out. Do you know what got him out? His tongue. His tongue. His tongue his tongue, his praise, his revelation, his own prophecy over himself, his own prophecy over his atmosphere, his own prophecy over when he decided how long darkness was going to be and he decided when dawn was going to manifest. I will awaken the dawn. Listen, some of us have been so super spiritual in our confession that we've begun to say things like, you know what, I'm just going to wait in the cave because it's all in the timing of God. Yes, I get that. But it's also in your timing. It's also when you command the darkness to stop and the dawn to rise. It's also about you speaking over your own darkness and said, enough, enough, enough. I know it's 3 a.m., but dawn is going to wake up now. I will awaken the dawn. People who don't worship are often filled with frustrations that there are delays in their own personal life. You see that throughout the Bible. There was a delay in a boat. Jesus and his followers were there. They were not going to get to the other side. The Bible says they embraced Jesus. They worshipped him. Immediately they got to the other side. Worship will always produce acceleration. Praise will always give you the boldness to speak to your darkness and command dawn to manifest now. I wish there was a shortcut to these five steps, but there isn't. I'm going to ask you whether you want to respond by raising a hallelujah. Are you here today and perhaps you feel like you're in a cave? You feel like you're stuck you feel like your promises or the promises of God in your life look very different from your reality. You don't have to be in the cave for the rest of your life. Know this today the revelation that Jesus loves you and He is faithful and He is for you. You are completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. Are you finding it difficult to stay in the cave and think, oh, well, if God loves me, why aren't things changing? I wonder what kind of breakthrough is in the other side of your praise. I wonder what kind of blessings are on the other side of your worship. I wonder what kind of stories you will tell if you will just learn To sing a little louder, and a a little louder, and a little louder, and a little louder, and a little louder. Come on, some of you just need to make a decision today that the sound of your praise is going to be louder than the sound of rejection, the sound of guilt, the sound of condemnation, the sound of unworthiness, the sound of self-pity. Your praise has got to be louder than it all. It's got to be. And some of you just need to today, not me pray for you. Not me lay hands on you. Not me pray with you. Some of you just need to learn to prophesy over your own life and say, glory, wake up. Soul, wake up. Some of you need to look at your atmosphere and say, wake up. Everything in me has got to resonate with the sound of heaven so that when I enter a room, other people begin to resonate with my sound because I carry the sound of heaven. And some of you just need to have the boldness to say, I'm going to command the darkness to stop and the dawn to wake up. The dawn to wake up. I sense in my spirit and in this room that God wants to accelerate certain things for certain people. God wants to accelerate certain things for certain people naturally the dawn is going to take another five months naturally the dawn is going to take another five years but we want to believe that things will manifest now that things will manifest now that miracles will manifest this morning A healing will manifest this morning that miracles will manifest this morning that breakthrough will manifest this morning that demonic attractions will be broken this morning that demonic limitations will be lifted this morning That curses will be lifted this morning. It manifests now in the name of Jesus. For every person that is bold enough to declare, to use your tongue to activate the miracle. The miracle is in your tongue. 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 It's in your tongue. It's in your tongue. It's in your tongue. It's in your tongue. The miracle is in your tongue. Prophesy over yourself. Prophesy over your atmosphere. Prophesy over your dawn. Prophesy over your dark. Commanded to get out. Command your life and your glory to manifest now in Jesus' name. I prophesy acceleration over Beacon Church. Acceleration over Beacon Church. Acceleration over Beacon Church. Acceleration in Jesus' name. Father, we declare this morning to be a morning where we come out of our caves. We come out of our delays. We come out of our frustrations. We come out of blaming people. We come out of pointing the finger. We take responsibility today to command our dawn to wake up. And we will sing, Lord, when we don't feel like singing. We will raise a shout when we don't feel like raising a shout. We will praise when we don't feel like praising. And we're going to praise you right now. As if it's already done. As if the process is complete. As if the miracle is manifest. As if our dawn is waking up. Raise your hands for a blessing. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless Beacon Church. I declare over every single brother, sister, friend, every person in this place that our glory will wake up. That we will not walk into our marriages and our workplaces half-sleeping, half-dead, that we will be fully alive. I pray that Beacon Church will be people who carry an atmosphere. The moment they step into a room, other things will start to resonate with the atmosphere and the sound of heaven. Let us be worshipers in and out. That, Lord, we will walk into council offices. And that our sound of heaven will atmosphere, will resonate. We will walk into our homes. And the sound of heaven will resonate. We will walk into our marriages. And the sound of heaven will resonate. We will walk into our neighbors' homes. And the sound of heaven will resonate. We declare in Jesus' name that our atmosphere, our atmosphere, our atmosphere will be an atmosphere of heaven. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up, wake up. And we speak to every darkness in this world. We speak to every mother who is fighting darkness. We speak to every father who is fighting darkness. We speak to every child that is fighting darkness. We speak to this nation that is currently fighting darkness. As Beacon Church, we prophesy over the United Kingdom. Your dawn is now. 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 now." Fleas, and your dawn is now your dawn is now and we'll come out of this cave and that which you've promised over life that which you've prophesied over our life that which we've been anointed for the seeds that we're meant to take we will take in jesus name lord we thank you in advance that it is done for your glory amen